here's the thing. We're on the last part of when they say no, and we're going to talk about getting out of your own head. All right, my friends. So um, with this last part of the book, we're going to go through, we're going to speed through a bunch of different chapters because next week we actually have Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton on the show for us. Um, so um, I'm, I'm giggling because I love this chapter that we started with. And I did this strategically because I didn't want to end with it last week. I wanted to start with it this week. Um, so when they say no, you're not going to die. And this is one thing that I, I can tell you, here's the thing. When you hear no, and it impacts you in a severe way, it probably means that your pipeline's not full enough. And so when we catastrophize things, and I probably butchered that word. Um, when we do this, we do things like, oh my God, if I don't make this deal, then I'm not going to get my commission. If I don't get my commission check, I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. If I can't pay my mortgage, I'm going to lose my house and oh my God and all this. And what what is the end result of all that? Like, what is the nucleus of it? The nucleus is the fact that you didn't have a big enough pipeline in the first place. So we end this with no is just a word. Hearing it is really not going to kill you. Okay. So again, we go back to the idea of that no hurts you more when your pipeline's not full. And we're going to get into it in, in other chapters. But here's um, a little bit of a, a, the idea when it comes to resistance and when it comes to um, stickability, when it comes to... No, I'm just going to leave it at stickability because I believe in that word, stickability. Um, some people might call it persistence. But when you, when you look at it as stickability going to it, right? So did you know that it takes an average of eight cold calls to reach a prospect? 60% of customers say no four times before saying yes. And 80% of the sales are made up and um, have made, have involved five follow-up calls. Yet 44% of sales reps give up after uh, one follow-up. So it goes into this chapter talking about persistence pays. And, and think about this for a second. 80% of sales are made, have involved five follow-up calls, yet 44% of sales reps give up after one follow-up. Now, we've talked about this many times, and here's the one point I want to drive home with it. You know, persistence is about building credibility in the mind of your prospects. And what do I mean by that? Well, I've gone on record many times as saying, I believe prospects write down in their calendar when you're supposed to get back to them. I believe this wholeheartedly. Um, it's something that no matter what anyone says, it's the operation system. It's the modus operandi that I'm going to work on. And if you can't, I've asked numerous logistics managers and they say, hey, listen, if you can't follow up when you say you're going to follow up, if you can't deliver rates when you say you're going to deliver rates, how on earth are you going to help me run my business? So this is clear. It is documented. It is proven based on numerous studies that all you got to do is be persistent and you'll in some which way, shape or form find success. To me, I see that as a 
huge benefiting factor for us as sales reps to get insanely good at follow, to get insanely good at our schedules. You know, I talk about the same things over and over and over again, because by getting insanely good at them, you actually level up your ability to close business. You level up the ability to make money. You level up the ability to serve clients at the highest level. So I'll stop beating that dead horse. And there was no animals hurt in the making of this podcast, but talk, they're talk, go on to talk about after persistence, about letting it go. When your failures impact your emotions to such a degree that it affects your next sales presentation, you're cooked. You must you keep yourself off the emotional roller coaster. You must develop the ability to shake no off. Let me ask you this. How many of you right now, and be honest with yourself, have gotten debunked off of a real groove because somebody said no? Have gotten debunked off a real groove when a prospect cancels a meeting got like really sent off the deep end when somebody just was very rude and ignorant on the phone. You know, I'm not interested. Never call me again. F off and, and hung up the phone. I think we've all been there. And if you know anything, or if you've studied anything about grooves and tasks and doing things, right. You know, perfect example. If you ever gone from selling to operations and then have to go back to selling, right? If you're a newer salesperson, you're doing your own operations. What is it like in those transition moments? Those transition moments actually kill us. Those transition moments take longer than three seconds because we have to get back in the groove. So if we don't let it go when it comes to no, we're actually losing 10, 15 minutes every single time. Not to mention if we don't lose it, we take that negative energy into our next call. And here's the thing when it comes to that, without a shadow of a doubt, all of your prospects will see and hear that in your voice. They'll feel it in your vibration that you're not on. You don't believe in what you're saying. So this is super important when it comes to letting it go. Like you must let it go. When If you do not let the last no go and it moves into the next one, you're getting going to get crushed, right? If you play golf. And this is probably the simplest one because like, think about it like this, right? Sales, it's our head that determines our progression. It really is. It's our mental capacity. And same thing in golf. It's one of those sports where you have a bad shot, you have a bad hole. If you don't shake it off, and for all y'all out there that play golf, you know exactly what I'm saying because, man, I've been there a million times. I continue to work on myself to try not to be there, but it's so difficult at times, especially in golf, right? You know you shoot better than a triple bogey, but yet you triple bogey to hole. If you do not shake that off immediately, you will literally drown yourself for the next two, three holes. And then what happens? You get this really good shot, and you're like, ah. I could do this stuff, man. Yeah, okay, I'm back on it, right? But the pros, the ones that are able to move on are the ones that get where they want to go faster, right? You look at the pros. They have a bad shot. Most of the time, the next shot, they just recover. And they allow themselves that ability to get back on it, right? So, and they talk about, then they go in from that to changing your state, right? And that's in essence what I just went over even in golf you change that state you change your posture you change the way you hold your body you change the way you move and when you do that you know tony robbins talks about it all the time you're going to change everything in your life right 
The next one that they go into is review your pipeline. This is a critical step that I think so many salespeople miss. How many of you have sanitized your pipeline going into January 2024? Right? We're what? We're at the what, 19th day. So almost 20 days into the month. How many of you have you really sanitized your pipeline? How many of you have reviewed what you have, what you need to do, maybe some of the key elements in that pipeline? How many of you have really done it? You know, I think that if we don't review and constantly sanitize our pipeline, and what I mean by that is going through each of your prospects, like even your hot prospects and saying, what's changed? Is anything changed in this last little while that I should be, be aware of? You know, sanitizing, going through and saying, you know what? I've reached out. I've had six phone calls with this person. They're not moving forward. Maybe it's time to put an ultimatum on the table. And I don't mean to sound like an asshole when I say it, but the reality is that we really need to put that ultimatum on the table sometimes. I mean, I can remember, I don't know, countless customers. I've had ongoing calls and calls and calls, and it just feels like they're not really going anywhere. And then I stop and I say to them one day and say, hey, listen, we've had like 17 calls. I've quoted you on X amount. You've asked for this. I've given you that. You've asked for this. I've given you that. Am I missing something or like, is there a reason we're not doing business yet? And that to me is sanitizing my pipeline because that to me helps me kick the tire kickers out of my world because I don't have time to deal with them. If what I'm offering and what I'm able to do, what my company is able to do, does not inherently work with where they're going, then in the end, why am I doing what I'm doing? I'm wasting my time. I'd rather move on to other pieces of my pipeline that are going to move the needle in my business. And this brings us directly into the next part. Some of you might be saying to yourself, Dan, well, how can I tell somebody that? Well, you tell them with a story. And I love this part of it because when they say no, tell a story. According to research at Sanford University, people retain only 5% to 10% of the facts in a sales pitch. When it includes a message, it cranks right up to 70%. So what stories, you know, I've often said, and then if you've been in any of my inception groups, any of my, my training, I often say, keep a catalog, a story catalog, because I believe every challenge, every objection, every answer a prospect gives you on a sales call can be overcome with a story. I'm sure you have a story. If you've ever looked at my QCESP, my, my qualifying, clarifying expert story positions framework for all sales calls. Stories are so important when some like when I share a story with you, when I relate something back, like I just did a few minutes ago, the story about how you've had a bad hole in golf and then getting back on the horse faster than anyone helps you have a great game. If you've ever played golf, you remember that story because what I'm doing is when I share a story with you, I'm relating a story in my world. But what happens with you when you hear that story? You relate it to your world. You relate it to points in your world where maybe you've failed. Maybe you've succeeded. Maybe you've been in that position and you're going, damn, that's right. See, that's where stories get us. 
that's where all of this starts to change because we remember that story. So you're going to go on your day today and you're going to have a bad no. And all of a sudden you're going to remember, well, I remember that story Dan said about golf. I remember that. And maybe you're not even going to remember that I said it. Maybe you're going to remember that. Oh my gosh, that was like when I had this bad hole in golf, I got to shake this off and move on. Right. These are the things that connect us in our head. So it didn't surprise me when I heard 5% of people remember facts, 70% of the people remember the stories, right? Everything is a story. Every movie you watch is a story. Every great YouTube video that's edited properly is a story. Everything we do is based on stories. So what is your story hub? Do you have a story hub? Do you have a story box where you can just pull stories from, pull all these things from that help resonate with your prospects? Something to think about, right? See it as a gift. Seeing no's as a gift, you'll be able to learn more and profit from them later. I love this part, right? Um, so here, here's something from Melanie Perkins. Now, now, for all of you that don't know who Melanie Perkins is, she's actually the creator of Canva. Y'all know who, what Canva is, right? So she said in an interview with, with entrepreneur.com, she says, I revised our pitch deck after every meeting more than 100 times a year to answer the questions or fix the reason for rejection from the last one. The normal thing to do after the hundredth no would be to stop, but I just had to persevere. I had to continuously pour my energy into things that could I could redefine and fix. So how many of you adjust your, I hate calling it this, but adjust your pitch, adjust your sales process based on what's not working? Hmm. Interesting thought, right? So enjoy it. This is one that um, I, I've learned very quickly from so many of my coaches. And one of them, Brendan Burchard, says, embrace the suck right? Enjoy your sales process. Because if you don't enjoy it, you're just going to hate it. And if you hate it, you're not going to do it. And if you're not going to do it, you're not going to have a full pipeline. If you're not going to have a full pipeline, let's face it, you're not going to succeed, right? So let's just call a spade a spade and say, we got to enjoy it. And it, this goes right into um, so many different levels of it may not be the truth, right? And the reason I say that is because when they go from enjoy it section to it may not be the truth. So enjoy what you're doing. And then secondly, stop and say to yourself, you know, maybe what's happening in my prospect's mind isn't the truth. And, and I and I say it to you like this. So think of it like this. If if you just call your prospect up and, and this goes into a couple of different areas, but I'm going to summarize it in this way. You know, you just call your prospect up. There's real no, there's no real connection. There's no bond. There's no truth. So when you call a prospect up on the first call or when you're first connecting with a prospect, do you really expect them? And, and this is one thing that drives me nuts in every industry with all sorts of sales trainers is, is probe to find the problems. If somebody doesn't know you, if somebody doesn't trust you, do you really think they're going to tell you their problems? Because in essence, what is what it what does it do from a status perspective when somebody shares their problems with you it reduces their status if they don't know you and you're walking into a company 
and you're saying, okay, so what's the problems you're having? Every problem they admit to is in some way, shape, or form directly correlated to the job they're doing. And it's not, but mentally we make that connection, right? And why would you assume that somebody would tell you all of their problems? Somebody would say to you, oh yeah, I'm really having this issue right now. Or they're saying, you know, the system I set up here for the last five years isn't working and it's falling flat on its face. Like these are conversations you're going to have later on down the funnel, but not on your first, second, even third call sometimes. Listen, don't get me wrong. We all know during COVID, if you had trucks, you, you had customers because it was very rampant that there was 10 loads to one truck. So at that point, that's not a condition in the program your prospect set up. That's a market condition. We're not facing those market conditions right now. So don't expect to hear the issues and problems inside their supply chain unless they're very relevant in today's market. Because then everyone's facing that condition. It doesn't ruin the individual stats. It's like everyone's in this position and because everyone's in this position well you know what that's what i'm facing because everyone else is facing it so don't confuse the two please don't confuse the two um we go to removing the risks to say yes now this is obviously further down the line and i'm actually going to save this chapter for next week because i've got a few questions in here um that I really want Andrea and Richard to answer for us. So it jumps us right into one of the finishing chapters way where you may be asking for too much at once. And this is something that I redefine in our industry. And I redefine it in our industry because what is your one point of entry, right? What Sometimes when we have too many options, we can't choose. But what's the one point of entry? And when we look at it and we say to ourselves, Okay, if I enter the prospect's mind with this point, afterwards, I can expand the conversation. But right now, I just want to enter at this point. Now, a lot of you do this, but you enter the point on rates. You enter the point of the conversation in the prospect's head to a point that actually disintegrates your sales process. And a lot of you do it. challenges, you probably don't want to see it. You probably haven't come to the harsh truth about your sales techniques, your strategies, your abilities. And, and this is something I talk about a lot when I talk about 360 degree selling. If there's a piece of your sales process that doesn't work, get that. Change that one piece, but identify the piece. It's like going to a mechanic and saying, I got this, I got this ding in my front end. And they say, okay, well, let me, and you, a lot of you can probably relate, relate to this, aka another story catalog. Um, you know, you go and you say, I got this thing, I got this hanging or something going on, this sound in the front end. So they'll go, they'll look at the bushings, they'll maybe pull in the tie rods, they'll do the steering rods. They'll put, so they'll replace the bushing. They'll take it out, say, okay, dinging's still there. They'll do something else. And maybe there's five to seven levels or five to seven things that can be fixed in that front end but they'll diagnose it and they'll go into the correction with their best guess, but they'll correct one. 
then they'll try it, then they'll correct you. And maybe you'll solve it at three, or maybe they'll take all five. But regardless, they go in at one point of entry. Oh, is it in the front end? Does it sound like it's the front end? They get in the car, they drive, they go, yeah, it sounds like the front end. So what's the point of entry? The point of entry is the front passenger side of the car, right? Single point of entry. Now they go into say, saying you may be talking to the wrong person. Uh, I'm going to skip that. And the reason I'm going to skip that is because I think at this point in our industry, if you don't know how to get to the right person, um, you got to take a million steps back before you get in here. Um, then they go into some, I, I've already summarized this, where they, they don't trust you yet to give you the information you need. Um, one thing I do like is don't apologize for the price, explain it. And I've found a thing like this. This, this is kind of, this is not kind of, this is my process for it. Here's everything we're going to do. Here's the price. And it's called a stack. And we talk about this a lot in my courses. Um, Ryan and I have spoken about it a lot. DJ and I have spoken about it a lot. Jeff and I and Dean and I and all of us have spoken about it a lot on Sales Chatter. And it is the fact that if you do not stack it properly, the price becomes relevant. But if you stack it properly, price becomes somewhat irrelevant. And some of you might disagree with me on this, and that's fine. But the fact is, I'm not talking six, seven to a thousand dollars a load price. I'm talking 50, 100 bucks, even 200 bucks. A lot of the times, what you bring to the table means more than what they expend in a price. Because as Zig Ziglar said, there's cost and there's price. And if you can differentiate that and you can explain that, you can stack that, you win. And then finally, um, we're going to talk about finding another way. And this for me is where this book ends until Andrea and Richard get on with us. How do we find another way to say what we're saying? We want to say, how do we find another way to show the value? How do we find another way to spark a prospect's interest? To me, this is one of the ever-evolving things in any industry, especially ours, is how do we find another way to pique somebody's interest? And I'm going to leave you on that note because I'm going through my process almost weekly thinking to myself, how can I find another way to pique their interest? Can I add something? Can I remove something? Can I get more direct on my messaging? Can I get more direct on my Q&A? Can I get direct, more direct on my qualifying? And it's an interesting conversation. And I don't know your sales process specifically. I mean, I understand the flow probably, but I don't know it specifically. Until I do, I can't help you with another way. But I can tell you this, and I'll leave you this with this one piece, this one strategy, this one idea. If you ask yourself constantly over and over and over, is there another way for me to get the attention I need on the calls in order to do what I need to do, or at least at a minimum, get through the benefits of what I need to say? You will come up with something. You just have to stick with it. And with that, 
I just want to say thank you so much for sticking with us here on Sales Chatter. Thanks for walking through this book with us because next week we got Andrea and Richard on. So make sure to grab yourself a copy on Amazon if you haven't by next week. And until then, my friends, remember, go out there, make every call educational and crush your sales.